The title of today's sermon is You're Either For Christ or Against Christ. That phrase is actually a paraphrase of a wonderful verse found in Matthew's Gospel, the 12th chapter in the 30th verse. Our Lord Jesus Christ was preaching and he said, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And he made it so clear that we are either for him or against him. We're either drawing ourselves and others to the Lord or we're driving people away from the Lord. We're either for him or against him. That's the title, but the sermon is actually going to be taken from Mark's Gospel, the 14th chapter, the first 11 verses. And this is going to be a a sermon that's from a series of sermons that will take us all the way to Easter 2020, entitled, The Last Steps of the Greatest Journey on Earth. And of course, the greatest journey on earth is the journey that our Lord Jesus Christ took 2,000 years ago, from heaven to earth, to the cross, to the tomb, up in the resurrection, and up higher in the ascension, back to heaven. That's the greatest journey on earth. And in Mark's Gospel, the 14th chapter, We're looking at just the few days before our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross. And today I'm going to introduce you to four individuals or groups of individuals. And I'm very sad to say that the vast majority of these people are against Christ. But not all. There will be a dear man and a dear woman in Mark's Gospel, the 14th chapter, who are for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the woman is not just for him, she is all for Jesus. She is 100% completely and totally for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you probably know that there's a beautiful song written by recording artist and Christian singer Robin Mark by the phrase or title, all for Jesus. Here's how part of it goes. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. All of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands. For it's only in your will that I am free. Jesus, all for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be. And I'd like to introduce you to this dear woman in Mark's Gospel, the 14th chapter, who was indeed all for Jesus. It's exactly the kind of Christian that I desire to be, and I believe that Mark's Gospel will show us all how to be all for Jesus. Well, let's read here, if we can, the first 11 verses of Mark chapter 14. It's a wonderful passage. Verse 1 says this, After two days it was Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why is this 
fragrant oil wasted. For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial for her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of, G, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests and betrayed him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Here's Mark's Gospel, the 14th chapter. Four groups of people or individuals. And the first group is a religious group of people who were against Christ. Now, you wouldn't think that that was even possible, but we do see religious people here. There's the chief priests and the scribes, and they are on the cusp of really what was likely one of their most religious times, the Feast of Passover, when they would remember how God had delivered them from the nation of Egypt so many years ago. And yet, two things about this religious group of people... One here in Mark 14, you can see that they're against Christ. And then earlier in the Gospels, for example, in Matthew chapter 23, in verses 13 to 15, uh, Jesus calls this same group a group of hypocrites. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 23, verse number 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And then verse 14, very much the same. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And verse 15, this is Matthew 23, verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And the word hypocrite in the original language is the word for actor or someone who wears a mask. Now, not a medical mask like you might see many people wearing today, but a a mask that someone would wear in order to pretend to be something or someone that they're not. And that's exactly what these scribes were doing in Mark's Gospel, the 14th chapter, as they came to Christ, and all through each day, they looked religious, they appeared to know God, they appeared to know God's Word, and they appeared to care for people. But none of that was true. They were actors, and they were actors who were against Christ. You can see back in Mark's gospel that they were, at that very moment, scheming and through trickery, uh, trying to put him to death. Now, what a terrible thing. People who look religious, but they're acting religious, and they're truly, in their heart, against Christ and one would suspect that people just like this and groups of people like this still exist today if so is there any way that you would be able to tell if someone is true and sincere or if they're just acting like they know the Lord absolutely 
The New Testament letter of Jude and other places give us some tremendous insight in identifying some of these religious actors. For example, Jude 8, verses 8, 9, and 10, that's the first chapter of Jude, the only chapter of Jude, verses 8, 9, and 10, a great letter on false teaching and religious actors. Listen to what Jude says in the very uh, first, the only chapter and the eighth verse. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. So if we're looking to identify a, a religious actor, Jude says, well, just look for foolish talking, almost as though he says, to use a phrase from Jesus, by their foolish talking you shall know them. And if you're familiar with that phrase, you know that it's used in Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, The 20th verse of Matthew 7, Jesus says, By their fruits you shall know them. And then we could add in, in 2 Peter 2, verses 13 to 17, uh, Peter says that they are very interested in the temporal, earthly, physical cares of life or, or concerned with the things that will be for their benefit physically. And so we could say, By their financial footprint you will know them. Uh, all these things help us to identify religious actors, and there's plenty of them here in Mark's Gospel. Now, thankfully, not everyone is a hypocrite. Some people are very sincere and true, and the next person that we meet in Mark chapter 14 is exactly that. He is a former leper who is for Christ. So we have four groups of people today. The first group, uh, religious people who were against Christ. Now we have a former leper who is for Christ. He's in verse number 3 of Mark 14, being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper as he sat at the table. And this man Simon, he lived in a place called Bethany, which you'll learn elsewhere, was the town where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were from. And actually in John's Gospel, the 12th chapter, it says that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were all at this man's house with the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples for this dinner in Mark's Gospel in the 14th chapter. And Simon is called Simon the leper, but we must understand that surely he is Simon the former leper, because if he had been actually... um, with the the disease of leprosy at that moment he wouldn't have been in his own house and there would have been nobody there in the house with him they would have not just self-isolated him they would have self-distanced him uh, right out into the wilderness away from everyone where he could die on his own Uh, nobody wanted a leper anywhere near the town certainly not in their house not in the temple not anywhere and so we can only conclude that this man was a former leper for whom the Lord Jesus Christ had done a, a great miracle. And if that's true, then there were two men at this particular dinner party in Mark's Gospel in the 14th chapter for whom the Lord had done the greatest of miracles. Because Lazarus was there as well, and this is after John chapter 11, where Jesus Christ had raised Lazarus from the dead. So these two men likely were gathered together with the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking in some way to thank and honor him for all that he had done. 
And this is surely the greatest hope in the world, that there is a person in the universe who is capable of helping us with our biggest problems. Simon could have never imagined a time where he didn't have leprosy in his life. Lazarus had been dead, and yet Jesus Christ brought him back to life. So whatever you're facing and going through today, we're not only absolutely certain that the Lord Jesus Christ can help you, but more than that, it's so nice to think of these men of having been a former leper or a former dead man. And there must be things in each of our lives that we wish we could get over and get past. And in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he lists out a long list of terrible sins that those people had been involved in. And then he, he makes this grand statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11, that they, they had been these things, but they were washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as well as Simon was a former leper and Lazarus was a former dead man, you today can be completely delivered from our greatest problem, which is Sin. I mean, you, you can today become a former thief. You can become a former drug addict. You can become a, a former whatever it is that you might fill in to that blank. And there's no reason to doubt because Scripture confirms over and over again the tremendous power of God. Listen to this back in Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 14 where our Lord assures us in Genesis 18 and verse 14, he says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And in uh, Psalm 95 and verse number 3, we find equal confidence. Psalm 95 and verse number 3, listen to this. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And here's what we read in Jeremiah 32 and verse number 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Yes, with men it may be impossible, but with God all things are possible. So here are two of the four groups of people or individuals in Mark chapter 14. Let's go on and meet a third. And this is the woman I've been talking about in Mark chapter 14, this uh, faithful female who was for Christ. We had a group of religious people who were against Christ. We have a former leper who is for Christ. And now we have a faithful female who is for Christ. It says that she... A woman, it says in Mark 14 and verse 3, came in having an alabaster box or flask of a very costly oil of spikenard. She broke the flask and she poured it on Jesus' head. Now, over in, uh, over in John's Gospel, the 12th chapter, we find that this woman was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And we can quickly identify three wonderful things about Mary 
uh, consider back in Luke's gospel and the 11th chapter, the 39th verse, where it says that Martha, her sister, had been cumbered about with a great deal of work in the house. But do you remember what Mary was doing? Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. So the first thing we could say about Mary is that Mary sat at Jesus' feet. She was a learner of the Lord Jesus Christ and a believer. She, she took in all that he had to say, and she, she trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And... And because she sat at Jesus' feet here in Mark's Gospel, the 14th chapter, we see her surrender her best to the Lord. She came in with this alabaster box or this flask filled with costly ointment or oil or perfume. And she broke it and she poured it on Jesus' head. Now, that may seem like a strange thing. You might picture it if you were in a restaurant somewhere and somebody came in and dumped a glass of water on your head. You might think of that as an insult. But listen to what Jesus says here. She says, when others criticize her, it says in Mark uh, 14, verse 6, she has done a, a good work for me. And I love that phrase, good work, because it's, it's actually, according to Dr. Barclay, it's a, it's a lovely good work. Uh, People can do good things with a wrong attitude, but a good work has its highest point when it comes from a loving heart. And what this woman has done here is the most lovely of all good things as she surrendered her best to the Lord. And really that's exactly what all believers who sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and learn the great things that he has done for them, that's what they end up doing in in response, is they surrender their best to the Lord. Now, two other quick points about Mary. She not only sat at Jesus' feet and surrendered her best to the Lord, but look at how she seizes the opportunity here. Some had criticized her for not taking this and selling it and giving the money to the poor, which would have been equally a very good thing to do. And Jesus is not dismissing the poor here. He's simply reminding them that the poor are with us always. He's only with us, in this case, for maybe a few short days. He was about to leave the earth at this point. He is standing in the shadow of the cross here in Mark chapter 14. And within a week... He won't be around anymore. So if Mary is going to do anything for the Lord, she has to do it. She has to seize the opportunity. And it's so great when God's Holy Spirit impresses upon his people to do something when they do it and they do it immediately like Mary did it. And then the last and and perhaps the greatest part of what Mary did here is that she set our sights on the death of Christ she probably didn't even realize what she was doing she was just looking for a way to honor the lord and so she had this perfume she took it she poured it on his head and it would have been very natural in those days when a guest came into your home to take a few drops of a of a perfume and and sprinkle it on that person and she was thinking well i can do better and more than that and she poured all of it on the lord But listen to how the Lord interprets her action in Mark 14, verses 8 and 9. 
She's done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So here is a woman who sets our sights on the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in those days, and you can remember when they took Jesus down for the cross, from the cross, they would wash the dead body, and then they would put spices and ointments and perfumes with that body. And he said, this is, this is what Mary is essentially doing. This body of mine will be dead in days. And just like they're going to put spices and ointments on it, Mary's picturing that right here. And as she pointed us forward to the cross, Jesus points us forward to the resurrection because he says, this gospel is going to be preached in all the world. And the gospel is not just the death of Christ or the burial of Christ. It's also, thankfully, the resurrection of Christ. And he confidently, on this side of the cross in Mark 14, knew that within days he would be back and alive again from the dead now there's one last individual here and i said that the vast majority are against christ in this passage and the person who shows his hatred for christ more than any other is judas iscariot and that's in verses 10 and 11 of mark 14 judas iscariot one of the twelve went to the chief priests to beg uh, to betray him to them And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how they might conveniently betray him. So here's the chief priest, the scribes, those religious actors from verse number 1. And here's the biggest fake of them all, Judas Iscariot, who sneaks out and makes this bargain with the chief priests and the elders, wearing the mask of his own. I mean, earlier in this passage, he, he was the one who was saying, oh, this money should be given to the poor, as though he cared for the poor. It was all an act. He was a disciple who had run aground and was against Christ. And I don't know exactly where he got off track or mixed up or turned against the Lord. But we all know he turned against the only person who could save him. And many others have said that Judas kissed the door of heaven and went straight to hell. Four groups of people or individuals, some against Christ, like the religious actors, the chief priests and the scribes, religious people against Christ, and Judas Iscariot, a disciple who ran aground and is against Christ. But thankfully, a dear man, Simon, a former leper, who's for Christ, And the dearest of all, this faithful female, Mary, who had sat at Jesus' feet, who had surrendered her best to the Lord, and who sets our sights on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are either for or against Christ. And if you have never personally Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you consider doing that today? He loves you. He's already made everything 
all that is necessary possible for you to be saved he's died on the cross he's been buried and he's rose again and he's preached the gospel even to you just today so you could pray a little prayer the prayer won't save you but faith in your heart will save your soul and you could pray a little prayer and just say dear lord i know that i'm a sinner but i believe that you are the savior And I believe that you save me by dying on the cross, being buried and rising again the third day. And I turn to you now from my sin and accept you as my own personal Savior. And you'll turn from being against Christ to being for Christ in a moment. And he will certainly receive all who come to him. And if you've already done that and you say, I'm I'm for Christ already, then have you stayed on the path with Christ? Have you ever turned back away from him? If so, then it's a good idea to rededicate your life to the Lord. And I brought an old Bible here with me today. It's in pretty poor shape because I've used it for so many years. It's a a dear Bible to me. I received it when I was just a child. In fact, on the inside it says it's presented to me by mom and dad on December 25th, 1985. And in the middle of it, I've actually kept the last number of letters that I received from my father who's in heaven now and they're very dear to me and I I read them every so often. But one thing that is equally dear to me is on the very inside cover of this Bible is a great little dedication prayer that was given to me back in 1987 when I was at the Living Waters Bible Camp in Danforth, Maine under the ministry of evangelist Wendell Calder. And here's what it says, and it goes right along with that wonderful song that I mentioned earlier from Robin Mark, Jesus all for Jesus. And here's what Wendell Calder passed out those many years ago. And I took and I signed. And I had somebody witness it. And I stuck it right here on the inside of my Bible. It says this. All I am. All I have. All I ever hope to be. I now and forever dedicate to the Lord Jesus Christ for his use and glory. Absolutely. Unconditionally now and forever and then it gives a few bible verses and then i like at the bottom it says now lord jesus hold me to it and i've signed it and uh, it was actually my camp counselor who signed it there along with me richard snell and uh, and we dated it and you know you could mark down somewhere today it doesn't have to be the ex- this exact phrase but you could pray and say to the lord lord all that i am all that I have, all that I ever hope to be, I now and forever dedicate to the Lord Jesus Christ for his use and glory absolutely, unconditionally, now and forever. All for Jesus. And then just pray and say, Now, Lord Jesus, hold me to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to preach your word in unusual circumstances for sure. But we are not utterly cast down 
because we know that you're with us and your gospel continues to go around the world. And so help us to give our all for you. You certainly gave your all for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me leave you with this benediction and then I'm going to have a closing song by our church pianist, Jaya Vino. Here's the benediction and then that beautiful song. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.